Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. My co-host, Dr. Greenberg, uh, will not be with us in the beginning. She may join us, but I wanted to let you know that between uh, Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. And so what we try to do on these shows is give you key tips, tools, things that can help not only you be in the top 10%, but also your team, and so things that you can do you know, right away. And what we've been focusing on on many of these shows with Kathy and I is our new book that we are researching and using some of the interviews from the show, but also, you know, independently, called Emotional Brilliance, How to Live a uh, Fearless Life. And so we really are taking a deeper dive into emotions. In today's show, um, I'm going to talk about one of the key things that we're researching more with emotional brilliance is what is it that you can do to manage to navigate your emotions. So why are we talking so much about this and, and <clears throat> focusing on top performers? We want to just explore more what kind of emotions do they experience, these top performers? How do they gear themselves up for the top performance? How can we get better at understanding uh, our emotions? And what makes up an emotional brilliance performance? So you may want to think about this for yourself. Times that you've been at your best, what was the driver? What was the motivation? And how can you replicate that? What emotions are most challenging? And uh, how do we manage these emotions? What strategies? What kind of hacks? And that's a lot of what we're going to be uh, focusing a little bit on uh, today is really being able to delve deeper into that. And let me just say a word about my co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg. As you know, if you've been listening to our shows, and I'll keep this brief, that she's really been uh, working with organization for quite a while using her proven work-life strategies based on positive psychology and the science of courage. She has touched millions with her in-demand uh, speaking TV, radio, and she's also a media personality. And if you want to see more about Kathy, she has a free iApp called Your Happiness Now, and you can see some of her um, key tools around some of her latest books. <clears throat> One is just Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus. You can see that on Amazon. And you can take her quiz uh, and find out more stuff on her website, www.fearlessleaderquiz.com. Just a quick background. So for me, I'm a psychologist, also a certified uh, master-level executive coach, and have six books out. So Kathy and I are working on the seventh. And uh, one of the things that you can get to to immediately apply some of the tools, I have uh, I app called Leadership Keys. And there you see videos on things that you can do for free uh, and immediately apply. If you want more information about me, it's www.drrellynadler.com. If you want more information 
about Kathy, it's www.kathygreenberg.com. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, emotional brilliance. And, you know, both Kathy and I uh, are certified in a variety of tools around emotional intelligence, and that becomes our working way of dealing with folks. You know, the simple definition for emotional intelligence, for people who don't know, understanding yourself, managing yourself, understanding others, and managing others. There's a series of competencies there. And so if emotional intelligence, and these are a couple of the analogies and metaphors we're using, if emotional intelligence is the territory or a map, uh, emotional brilliance is zooming in on where your home is. So if you've ever done kind of the Google search, you know, maybe it's the city or town is all the uh, houses or the competencies around emotional intelligence. But when you zero in, you go, oh, that's my house right there. And you can kind of zero in and get a closer look. If uh, emotional intelligence is the target, what we're looking at around emotional brilliance is more of the bullseye. And you may want to think about if you're uh, zeroing in, uh, let's say, um, with binoculars or a mag light that the military use, it's really kind of zeroing in on what you're looking at. And then the other uh, metaphor that we're using is if, the emotional intelligence of your closet, you have all these you know, nice clothes in there, but you're doing a special presentation, a special interview. What's your go-to um, set of clothes you know, that you're just going to feel right, you're going to present yourself right? So really zeroing in. Do you know what that is for you? You know, and I think about, uh, for me and Kathy and I have talked about that, you know, so what's my uh, go-to emotion, especially when I may be in, in a situation that I need to navigate well, especially with others? A lot of your top performance is in relationship with your team. It's in relationship with your boss, with key people. And my go-to is curiosity. And what does that allow me to do? It allows me to, to have some empathy for the person. I'm really trying to understand them. I think curiosity is at the other side of the scale of judgment. It's hard to be judging someone when you're truly curious and interested in them. And then that leads to empathy and then some of the behaviors that go about that, at least for me, is uh, listening and questioning. So think about that for yourself. I mean, if you had to say, all right, and if there's some pressure... Um, I'm looking to perform well, what emotion is your go-to? So it's a little bit of the kind of the secret sauce. And one of the things that we are doing is doing some research that you can be a part of. If you go to the Voice America site where we have a page, Leadership Development News, and you can just Google Leadership Development News. It'll take you uh, right to our page, or you'll see it there with Kathy and I. Um, we have a survey that we are going to be using for some of our research, the Emotional Brilliance um, Survey. So you'll see a banner there, and you click on the banner, and there's a series of questions. What we're looking at to gather some more information is looking at some different demographic groups. So some of the questions that we're going to ask are, so what feeling do you experience the most? How often do you feel that? What would you like to feel even more? And 
um, what feeling is the hardest for you to deal with? Where are you at managing your feelings? Where are you at expressing them? These are all things that we're going to have in the book, but I think being able to look at different demographics. So we're going to look at college students. I wonder what the number one emotion is for college students. We're going to look at managers, who Kathy and I work with all the time. What do you think that number one emotion is you know, for them, or which is the most challenging? We also have contacts you know, into the government, the FBI, law enforcement. I wonder what uh, key emotion uh, they are, or are experiencing, or key feelings. Same thing with the Department of Defense and some global population. So, one, I'm interested in it because I, I, I don't really know what the key one would be or what's most difficult, but I think it, it will be helpful. So you can go to our leadership development news site, click on Emotional Brilliance, and then you'll be able to uh, be a part of that. And it probably won't take long. It's, it's a pretty quick little survey. Um, but that will help us uh, with that. So we're also looking at kind of the general population. So when you go to that, we'll also have some ideas of general population. Then we can send back any of that key uh, data if you're interested. So thinking about emotions and thinking about this, um, why do you think emotions are so challenging today? And so I'm in organizations all the time, every day. So is Kathy. She's, you know, also working with our military and FBI. And I'm in a variety of organizations from, you know, finance to agriculture to healthcare, working with physicians. And what we do know around why we want to focus on this is, in a sense, we have outsourced our thinking. So what do I mean by that? We're taking shortcuts after shortcuts after shortcuts, uh, you know, with Siri, with Alexa, that we really don't have to think that much or we really don't want to think that much because we can ask Siri. We can Google it. And so everything now is either at our fingertips or our ear tips that we can basically, you know, immediately get that information. So I, uh, when I talk to groups, this idea of outsourcing our thinking as a leader one, you want to insource your thinking, meaning what does that mean? You've got to have, take more time to reflect, more time what we're calling slow thinking. And this is a term from Daniel Kahneman, who wrote the book Thinking Fast and Slow. As an executive coach and working with leaders, both of those are slow thinking processes versus fast thinking. So, Think about in your situation, You're, you may be a leader, a manager, this could be back at home. We already have it wired to be fast thinking. Do you think you need more training on fast thinking? I don't think I do. But slow thinking, reflecting, looking at your values, what do I want to do in this situation? And then the reason that this is so important and, and why we want to take the deep dive in emotional brilliance, everything happens in the moment, you know, so the moment is kind of where you could be at your best. The moment is where you could be on autopilot, which most of us are. What percent of time do you think we're on autopilot? You know, some of the research is telling us about 95% of the time we're on autopilot. It's probably going to get even higher. So we want to be proactive, and all this happens in the moment. So a lot of what... uh, 
is important in, in the work that I do and that, and that Kathy does and that we're bringing to you folks is understanding what goes into that moment. What's the input that goes into that moment? What do you know about yourself and what do you know about others? That's on the input side. It goes in your head and hopefully it kicks around and, and what comes out, which is the output, is your best decision, your best judgment, your best strategies. It wouldn't come out that way unless you were really aware uh, about your input on yourself and input about others. So the other aspect that we're, we're going to actually have in the book, and it's, it, it's always interesting to talk about here, is what do we know about our feelings? And a lot of this is making a differentiation between some emotions in some of the literature and feelings. There's a lot of different interpretations. The ones that we're looking at, because you may say, what's the difference between an emotion and a feeling? Well, what, how we're looking at this is feelings are what goes on in your mind. It's the conscious mental experience created from your bodily sensations and emotions. So in this way of looking at it, your emotions are something's going on in your body. It's a sensation. You're not sure what it is. There's a little edge or scratchiness uh, to it. You go to your head to say, oh, I wonder what's going on for me. And as you go to your head, your brain comes up with, you know, a variety of interpretations, predictions. How do we get those interpretations, predictions? Many of them are from the past. So you're kind of bringing up what's familiar, what do I know about this? And um, the this idea then the feelings is kind of how you label that. Feelings are the mental experience of body states which arise as the brain interprets emotions themselves, which are physical states arising from the body's response to uh, stimuli. And this comes from uh, this quote from Damasio, who's got some really uh, interesting books, you know, The Strange Order of Things, Life, Feeling, and Making Culture. He is the director of Brain and Creative Institute of Southern California. We're going to try to get him on the show. But so that's one interpretation, you know, of feelings. Another is, you know, we know um, it's this electrical chemical signals that flow through the body, and then we try to interpret that. What else do we know about feelings, the law of feelings? Well, feelings are contagious. Feelings can range from pleasant to unpleasant. There's some metrics, you know, about that. So you got pleasant to unpleasant, but then you also have an intensity level. It can be high to low. And so you can see there's some ex- excellent work that um, Yale University has done, and one of their tools is this mood meter. And in this tool, it looks at your intensity of emotions, and then, you know, where is it from pleasant to unpleasant? So you can actually, it's a free uh, app called the Mood Meter. It's a good education for, for you about your emotions. Um, awareness of your feelings gives you space to respond and adjust to them versus being on autopilot. So another you know, law of feelings. I'm just highlighting some of them here. The less you know about your feelings, the more you will project onto them. So you may want to think about that as a blind spot. If you don't really know what's going on for you and you're self-critical and you're, as we would call, on your case, it's very easy if you're not aware to have that internal conversation 
be an external conversation. Now you're on your case about, I should have done it more, I should have done it better, I should have done it faster. If you're not aware of that, you may easily have that same conversation to others. Now, you know, you're on their case. So that uh, you can choose to be on your case, but when it goes to others, that's where it can uh, have you not be your best leader, have you be a leader that people aren't going to follow as much. Negative feelings are stronger than positive feelings. And so, you, you know, we all know that. What do you end up ruminating about? It's probably the, that negative feedback. You know, if you've done a presentation, you've gotten feedback, you've done, gotten your review, you hear all these positive things, and I'm guilty of the same thing. And what happens? You're hanging on that one negative feedback. And what happens when you hang on that negative feedback? This is from some of the research from Andrew Newberg and um, uh, his partner, Mark Wahlberg, um, that replaying negative feelings injures the brain and it can destroy memory and emotional regulation. So let me just repeat that again. Um, that when you replay negative feelings over and over and over, in which we all do, it destroys your memory and emotional regulation. Now, this can happen in 5 to 10 seconds. And it happens so fast um, that we don't realize it. And most of us do that. Why? Because we're on autopilot. And then what, one of the things that we'll talk more about is feelings are to be accepted and experienced to get through them. So you really have to stay with it. It's like, uh, it's like surfing. You have to kind of ride the, the waves um, of the feelings and kind of ride them out. So why do emotions matter? Well, the Yale uh, Center for Emotional Intelligence, who's done a lot of uh, research, talks about that your emotions or feelings, as we're talking about, can influence your attention, your memory, and learning. We just talked about how your memory can be impacted um, if you are ruminating on things. It can affect your decision-making and judgment, what I was talking about, your input-output, often around your relationship quality. And so what's the relationship that you have with folks if you're not aware of of those emotions, and many of us internalize our emotions, and so it can be your physical, can affect your physical or mental health, you know, and I think we know from the medical world, stress and some of the psychosomatic uh, things that we experience from stress, which may have an emotional basis, is probably one of the primary things that we end up going to the doctors for or about. And then also emotions can impact uh, academic and uh, life success. Um, so those are some of the reasons, you know, that why uh, emotions matter and why we're focusing on that. And also what we know about, so many of our audience are people who are uh, in the work world. And what do we know about the work world? Well, 40% of workers reported that their job was very or extremely stressful. Is that you? If you were to say, how is your work world? 
25% view their jobs as the number one stressor in their, in their lives. And 29% of workers felt quite a bit or extremely stressed at work. 26% of workers said they were often or very often burned out or stressed at work. Some of the work that, that I'm excited about is taking some of this research about emotions and emotional intelligence and working in healthcare where burnout is a big issue. Um, you know, one of the books I mentioned earlier is Physician Burnout that I've done with um, Naeem El-Aswad and Zena Gusab. And the three of us have, have a book called uh, Physician Burnout, and a lot of it is getting back in touch with emotions and how do we manage them better. In the work world, 14% of respondents had felt like striking a coworker at some point. 25% have felt like screaming or shouting because of job stress. So we've all experienced that. And in a emotional incidents at work survey, the number one uh, emotion that people had at work was frustration. And then 60% of people have seen their boss get angry at someone at work. So those are all the kind of key things about emotions, why emotions are important. We talked about the idea that, you know, everything happens in the moment. And so what we want to do is then move into this uh, aspect of, well, what do you do with your emotions? And so we're going to um, take a quick break, and then we're going to be right back, and then we'll follow up on the whole idea of now you know the importance of emotions, so what do we do with them? And we have a a formula I think that will be very uh, helpful for you. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Leadership Development News. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. 
Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're focusing in on emotional brilliance. This book that Kathy and I are are researching and and actively... um, getting more and more information about and in some of our interviews as you're listening to us. We are going to be interviewing folks. Next week we're going to have um, the president of Multi-Health Systems who uh, is one of the people, he's a psychologist, uh, Steve Stein, who is uh, also very important in regards to the emotional quotient inventory uh, assessment that we all use. So that'll be interesting. So um, you're thinking about emotional intelligence, and there's a lot of different ways to look at what to do with it, with it, with emotions. Um, I mentioned the the Yale group; um, they have a a acronym of Ruler. How do you recognize your emotions? Understand, label, express, regulate. And what our six sec- friends at Six Seconds when they look at emotions, they talk about know yourself, choose yourself, give to yourself. Well, Kathy and I came up with our own acronym, uh, which I'm going to go through some of the steps, and it's called NAME, N-A-M-E. And so the N is for the to name and notice, you know, where you take a uh, emotion and try to turn it into what's the feeling. A is accept it, the feeling, and M is manage it, and then E is express it. So name and notice, accept, manage, and express it. So what I'm going to do is go through some of the key aspects uh, of this and on the N is notice and name and we talked about really taking uh, emotions that you feel and try to give it a label. Uh, Antonio Damasio I mentioned earlier uh, talked about that feelings are the co-pilot to thoughts and images. So you may want to think about that's an interesting metaphor. And as we, you know, look at that, another uh, 
researcher Dr. Sarah McKay talked about emotions play out in the theater of the body, feelings play out in the theater of the mind. So when we think about the the notice and name, it's trying to get uh, a break in the action, and this is where mindfulness can come in, and how can you label what's going on for you and being able to um, notice some of your body signs, maybe there's different kind of emotions, some of the defenses, some of these key emotions um, that may come up often, how you talk in metaphors, you know, what are the metaphors you're doing? That was a slap in the face. You know, that was uh, taking a knife to my uh, gut. Well, what's that emotion that goes with that? How would that person label that? That would be part of the end uh, in regards to naming it. You know, I'm angry, I'm betrayed. Uh, we talked about the mood meter, and that's another way from the, the end part of the name to notice a name. You can look at some of their emotions from surprise on one side of the scale to relieved on the other side, um, from engaged or uh, enraged to feeling alone. And so all these different emotions. Um, the A, which I think is really challenging for many people, is how do you accept and honor and normalize that emotion. So really accept, honor, normalize, and understand it. So these come up, and most of the time we don't, uh, if it's a negative feeling, we want to get rid of it. So from the mindfulness approach, can we uh, just accept that this is part of us as, as who we are as a human? Can you... To look at it, and when you give it a name, and just kind of observe it without judging it. You know, so my background uh, as a psychologist when I had a private practice was working with people individually. Now I'm in organizations. But it was always so interesting. One of the main strategies and things that was reassuring the people is letting them know that that was a normal response. Most people in your situation would feel that. Um, so seeing us as kind of the, as humans as we are and that most people in your situation would experience that is part of the A and, and accepting the, your feelings. One of the things around accepting that a lot of times I'll talk to people in organizations is when there's a lot of change and turmoil and it just feels terrible. Um, you may be in a breakup of a relationship or you may have gotten fired um, or let go of. And to just know that how you're feeling uh, at that point probably is not going to stay long. It's going to have its natural way. And if you think of chaos theory, you have an order and it leads to a new order. And then what chaos theory tells us is that with this new uh, this order, and then that goes into a new order. In between that is disorder. So you have order, disorder, before you get to new order. And as a consequence, nobody wants disorder. I mean, that's what feels really terrible. And um, But if you know that's a preparatory step, you kind of have to go through it and accept that in a non-judgmental way. So on the A part for accepting, how do you observe and be curious? about your feelings. 
being curious brings in the prefrontal cortex and probably inhibits a negative attribution. Being curious can stimulate this wonder focus, which is actually a different part of the brain. So we know from the amygdala and the feeling aspects, uh, when you start getting curious, you're activating some of the prefrontal cortex, which lessens some of the activation for the amygdala and the feeling aspects. These are things you can do in the moment. So you really can have some management and navigation of that. And maybe what do you do in this? What can I learn about this feeling? Why is this bothering me the most? These are questions you can ask. How do I normalize this? I wonder what other people would feel. You know, those are all some of the tools that we'll have in our book, you know, going further into the acceptance uh, piece of that. You know, and so some of the acceptance strategies are just letting feelings and thoughts happen without the impulse to act on them, observing them, like we talked about. Uh, I like to use the analogy of a buffet for all these feelings and thoughts that you're having. You know, it's all laid out there on a table. Well, if it's a buffet, you don't go grab each one. Uh, you know, you don't start with dessert or you don't grab salad. You know, you kind of walk around and you are observing, oh, there's a lot of great things here that I'd like to eat. Well, that's the same thing with your thoughts or in your emotions and feelings. Can you observe them first and then see which ones do you want to engage more um, versus feeling like each one, you know, uh, is right in front of you and you have to deal with it. So that creating that space um, between stimulus and response, we know that from Viktor Frankl. And so acceptance is one way to, uh, is a big thing to, to do about that. So let's talk about now the M, which is manage. And so there's two aspects that we have in our book. How do you manage your actions? And then how do you manage your thoughts? And so um, both of these are really uh, important. And we think about, we'll start off with some of the strategies. And I'm just going to pull out, you know, some of these now so you get an idea uh, of this. So managing thoughts. So now we're into the M part. And then uh, some of those are getting away from the thoughts, and we know how those are going to influence our feelings, that we all kind of think our thoughts are facts. Just because I thought that, therefore it must be true. When many times some of these thoughts pop up and they may be, um, you know, irrelevant. Uh, they may not be the, uh, that accurate. But because we think it, therefore we think it's true. And so what we want to be able to do, we know this from the cognitive behavior therapy, uh, popularized by uh, Albert Ellis, Aaron Beck. You know, this goes back into the 1960s. And Ellis had a model about activating event. This is the ABC model. Activating event, something happened. You have a belief, which then goes into kind of how you try to predict this. And then you have a consequence. And so the consequence, the C, typically uh, is an emotion. So an event happened. I got let let go of uh, work. The belief is that I'm not valuable anymore. Uh, this was um, unfair. The consequence, maybe I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm depressed. And so part of this is to go back and look at some of the, 
the belief, or the other way of saying this, is the um, thinking about that that's causing that emotion. We also know that a lot of folks have, have been looking at the whole thinking process. Um, Byron Katie has done a lot of things, wrote a book, The Four Questions That Can Change Your Life. Again, this comes from the cognitive behavioral side. When you have these thoughts and step back, because we know they're affecting your feelings, is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? How do you react? What happens when you believe this thought? And what would you be without this thought? So going back to the metaphor of the buffet table, how do you look at that and analyze it versus eating it and digesting it? How do you step back, ask some of these questions? It really gives you distance. And we also know that without that distance, which goes back into managing the moment, that you can have stinking thinking and really bad, making some bad decisions. And so I'm going to come back uh, to that in just a moment. And you've been listening to Leadership Development News. We're talking about emotional brilliance. And don't go away. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whathappyworkingmothersknow.com, or for distinctive learning practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so 
Call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Profiles and practice of top performers. We're going a little deeper into emotional brilliance. What is it? What are some of the key emotions that you have? What do you do with them? What is your go-to emotion that can help you in different situations? How do you master the moment? These are all the, the uh, aspects and value of why we're zeroing in on emotional brilliance. So we talked about our acronym of name, notice, uh, and name it, uh, accept the emotion. Now we're into the M of kind of manage it. You can manage thoughts. You can manage, manage uh, actions. We'll do a little bit of some of the highlight, which will be in our book. And then E, how do you express it? Or do you even choose to express it? And so uh, you're thinking about when you have these uh, thoughts and then you make decisions around them, really what we know from um, Alcoholics Anonymous is what's called stinking thinking. And so often if we're not able to separate from our thoughts and we have emotions that then are feelings that go with that, we make some really bad decisions. Um, In the emotional intelligence world, um, these can be times that you get hijacked. If you haven't heard that word before, it's really the amygdala aspects of your brain, that part of your brain has privileged position and it overtakes the part of your brain that where you have executive functioning, your prefrontal cortex. And so often... It really is smart people acting stupid. And, and basically, I've done a fair amount of writing on psychology today about this, is where you're operating temporarily with less IQ points. If your thoughts, um, interpretations, predictions about what's going on for you, it's a, a prediction and often we have a prediction error, then leads to decisions which then can be very bad decisions. And temporarily, you're operating with less IQ points. And the prefrontal cortex regulates the executive functioning and includes your understanding, your deciding, recalling, memorizing. Um, But when it's overtaken by the amygdala, that's what's called the amygdala hijack. Uh, Daniel Goleman popularized some of that in the work that we do. You know, a lot of organizations, um, they're very aware of that. So you may be hijacked at times. Your people that you work with, your kids may be hijacked. You know, a good example is trying to rationalize with somebody who his brain is, the amygdala is activated. Nothing's going to go in. And we've all done that. You're trying to rationalize with someone. And another way of saying it is they're flooded. They're so emotional that the, um, prefrontal cortex, the lights are out. It's almost like I like to say you, you see a sign there and says, sorry, out for lunch. I'll be back in a half hour. Well, I'll be back in a half hour is my IQ points will come back in a half hour once the cortisol and everything else uh, subsides. I'm not at my best. I'm not operating with all my IQ points right now. No executive, no leader that I work with you know, wants to see or admit that. But in reality, that's what's happening. Temporarily, we're operating with could be, depending on who you are, 5, 10, 15 uh, less IQ points temporarily 
because your executive functioning is overwhelmed, it's flooded uh, with that. And so this idea of being able to notice that and just to label that, sometimes it's called affect labeling, uh, helps. One of the people we interviewed, Matthew Lieberman, works at UCLA, and uh, they did a study where they got the amygdala activated. It was really by showing some pictures, and people were in a functional MRI, and they could say, oh, the amygdala is activated now. And then the pictures were of people that uh, you know, activated that, uh, the amygdala. You know, so maybe people in fear or shock. And part of the study was, can you identify what gender that person is and so how much intelligence does that take? You know, none at all. I mean, we all know male, male, that's a female, it's another female. But then when they said, can you tell us what emotion that person is having? So that goes back into that part of the brain that we're saying is trying to figure out that emotion. When they went to that part of the brain to try to figure out, predict that emotion, the activation in the amygdala went down the activation in the prefrontal cortex went up, meaning you had to think instead of being all uh, emotional and reactive. And so that's one of the things that uh, shows that looking at your emotions, trying to accept them, trying to name them is uh, really helpful. And we also know in regards to managing your emotions and on the thought side, all the research about mindfulness. I mean, you can't get away with not hearing about mindfulness. If you don't have a mindfulness uh, practice now, um, you are probably underperforming. And mindfulness maybe takes five to ten minutes, you know, and it, and it separates the good from the great. In Daniel Goleman and Richard Davidson's book, they have altered traits, not altered states, but altered traits. The science reveals how meditation changes your mind, brain, and body. So as we're in the M part of managing your emotions and managing your thoughts, that's really important is if to have some kind of practice. So here's some of the research. And if you're not doing this, um, like I mentioned, it would be a good thing to pick up uh, and start doing. Beginners find improvement in attention and attention and mind wandering in just eight minutes of mindful practice. And this is them collecting the research. Compassion meditation for as few as seven hours showed more connectivity in the circuits important for empathy and positive feelings. So when you're, in your, you're doing your meditation or mindfulness, often it's with closed eyes, you're just kind of focusing on, on your breath um, and allowing your thoughts, it's called the open meditation, allowing your thoughts to just travel on, just to observe them without judging them and maybe like seeing a uh, clouds in the sky, you're not trying to hang on to them, but you're just observing them. And you may say, oh, that's a thought. Oh, that was uh, happiness or that was anger. And they just let it move on. But when you add the compassion to it, it can increase the connectivity with empathy and positive feelings. So what does that look like? You know, thinking about the people that you care about and just sending them compassion, simple thing. Another piece of research, in just two weeks of practice, they found less mind-wandering, better focus, and working memory, enough to boost uh, graduate record exams, which is a, a graduate school entrance exam. So two weeks of practice, and maybe that is 10 or 15 minutes in the morning, 
and could it be 10 or 15 minutes in the afternoon. There's a couple popular apps now. One is called Headspace, which has either a 10-minute or 20-minute guided meditation, which you can use. Another is called Take a Break that has a 7-minute or 13-minute. When I work with executives, you know, time is always the issue. But who doesn't have seven minutes to do something that's going to help you be a better leader? After 30 hours of mindful-based stress relaxation, uh, MBSR, and that was over eight weeks, the amygdala, which is that active, reactive part of the brain, showed less reactivity. And then there's also a decrease in self-relevant regions of the default mode network. Well, the default mode network is the part where your mind is just wandering. And often it's kind of wandering to maybe the negativity, it's wandering to worries, and um, there's a decrease in some of that in the default mode network of, of the brain. And after 30 hours of practice, they found small improvements in molecular markers that help that uh, improve aging. So those are just some of all the reasons, again, part of the tools under the M on thoughts. So let's look at some of the M for name uh, around actions. And some of these that you'll know, and again, this is all highlighted in, in our book. So breathing intentionally. What we know from our military and special forces When they have to calm themselves down, they do something that's called box breathing. And and it's very simple. You breathe in for the count of four slowly. You hold it for the count of four. And then you breathe out slowly for the count of four. Just doing that is going to relax you. It really connects the sympathetic, which is kind of part of that nervous system, with the parasympathetic. It's going to work whether you believe it or not. Um, And just being able to do that, I think I've seen some research that maybe it takes 10 or more breaths to really get that connection where now you are relaxing. And we can all do that. It's a simple thing uh, to do. Another one of the actions under the manager emotions is all the research about strengths. So do you really know what your strengths are? You know, whether it's the emotional quotient inventory, Strength Finder 2.0, there's a tool called Values in Action, the Myers-Briggs. These are what, you know, coaches often bring to people. Do you know what your strengths are and why is this important? It almost goes back to what we were saying about your go-to uh, feelings. It also could be your go-to strengths. And I mentioned for me around curiosity and can you build on your strengths and, and build and broaden? And can you take them to an area that maybe is not as well developed? So, for example, let's say you're really a trustworthy person and people, um, they just feel that connection with you. Can you take your trustworthiness and use that around, let's say, a conflictual situation? Can you bring your who you are and your trustworthiness and maybe... Uh, navigate conflict even more than you may feel comfortable. Why? Because people are going to trust you. They're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Can you take your trustworthiness to influencing people and allow to build and broaden that? They are, you already have that credibility. Are you using that enough in some other situations? And 
one of the things I like to talk about are these micro-initiatives. Again, these are the action strategies. What are the small activities that can have a big payoff? So these micro-initiatives uh, can have a macro impact. Often I try to get some of the executives I'm working with to make sure they just get up, take a break. You know, it's micro-activity, maybe, you know, five, ten minutes. We know from learning theory, if you're not taking breaks, you know, five, ten minutes in an hour, you're not that productive. And we all try to work through lunch. You know, often the executives I work with are not taking a micro-activity of just um, at lunch taking a break. Instead of going and grabbing something and getting back from your computer working, you're confusing activity with accomplishment. And so part of that is to really be able to take that break and get recharged. Um, talk to a loved one. Go talk to a colleague. Go outside and, and feel the sun if it's, if it's a nice day out. Those small breaks are huge. Go walk the halls and check in with your people. Many of you know about managing by wandering around, MBWA. Those five or ten minute micro-initiatives for yourself and with others can be huge to make a difference. And again, it goes back to that aspect of um, these small actions and allowing you on the self-management side to be the best you, the most effective you. One of the other aspects uh, around the action strategies under you know, managing your emotions is being in nature. And now there's a lot of research that uh, being in nature, viewing scenes of nature, reduces anger, fear, and stress, and can increase pleasant feelings. So exposure to nature not only makes you feel better emotionally, it contributes to your, your physical well-being, reducing blood pressure, heart rate, muscle tension, producing um, and the production of stress hormones. So these are some of the things around emotional brilliance. We went through some of the stuff on the name, uh, notice and name, accept, and now we talked about some of the management ones. Some of our other um, shows, we're going to talk about the E, and, and do you express it? So you have been listening to Leadership Development News. We've been zeroing in on emotional brilliance and um, happy to have you here. So continue to tune in to tune up your leadership performance. We'll, we'll see you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional